And it is astounding how often we give these detailed insights about um, who's likely, who's in your market, selected mm-hmm. to buy the vehicles you have to sell, and dealers do a good job targeting, and their agencies do a good job targeting them um, with, with a media strategy, but they don't necessarily design a creative strategy around that to, to key into those things that are unique to the people that are most likely to buy a car from them. Um, so the ones, the ones that are doing a good job of that, that creative converts better. Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have two amazing guests with me, and we get to talk about some seriously cool topics. I have Kirsten and Jim with me from Experian. Hey, guys, how's it going? I appreciate you guys taking the time to come jam with me today. Doing very well. Good to talk to you. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. We got all kinds of cool topics. We get to talk all things Gen X. Yes, Gen X. Ooh, I was thinking about Gen X. Well, I'm thinking, it's from 1965 to 1980. I think that covers a lot. I mean, a lot. I think my parents are almost in that category. I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. There's right? a lot of us that fall in that category, for sure. <laughs> a lot of us that fall in that category. But no, look, I love this topic. I get to talk marketing with you guys, and this is just going to be a lot of fun. But hey, before we get into the, the Gen X topic today, um, I love kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story. Because, A, I'm always fascinated because I'm a true believer that no one just wakes up one day and goes, oh, yeah, automotive, that sounds amazing. And, you know, I have described the automotive industry as the island of misfit toys. And we all come in from very unique backgrounds and places. So I'd love to kind of hear your guys. That's what we'll, we'll kick it off today. What is the origin story of how you guys got started in the automotive business? Uh, Kirsten, I'll start with you. And then Jim, I'll ask you the same question. Fantastic. Well, Jason, I started out in automotive a little bit by accident. So I had graduated from college. I was a marketing major and I joined a marketing research company. And we were doing a lot of marketing research projects for automotive dealerships. And I'm going to date myself now, but we were sending surveys to their <laughs> customers, giving the dollar incentive getting the information back, doing the 10 key entry, and then doing a complete analysis of that and providing the information back to the dealership with recommendations. Well, quickly this evolved to, gosh, we could do a lot more if we digitize this. (laughs) And we evolved into a software company, customer relationship management. We had a BBC module. We did data mining. We did campaign management. And Shortly thereafter, we were purchased by a large DMS provider. So I spent a number of years there, and now I have been with Experian for eight years. So I've always been in automotive. (laughs) I've spent a lot of my career in marketing in some way, shape, or form. but originally it was a little bit by accident, marketing research and encouraging people to complete their survey with that dollar incentive. That's awesome. Hey, this is one of those industries that once it gets under your skin, it's really hard to get it out. Uh, Jim, for yourself, how, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? 
Well, um, I was working at a small interactive development company when the internet came along. So we were designing websites and uh, I was approached by a company um, to help launch a web product. Uh, and that was 1995, speaking of dating yourself. Um, so uh, launched a product called ADP Auto Connect. Um, and it was one of the first online shopping sites for dealers. Uh, it became autotrader.com. So uh, while I intended to tip my toe in to the auto industry, I've been it ever since. Um, so you're right. It, it does grab a hold of you. And it's so hard to wash out, right? <laughs> <laughs> For fact. You know, like I, I think, uh, so when I, when I sold my dealership, I thought for sure I was going to be out of the business, right? It lasted a whole whopping two and a half weeks. And it was just like, I feel like it was that, wow, that scene from that, the gangster movie. Uh, just when I was out, they sucked me back in, you know? <laughs> like, um, but no, it's fun. It's fun. I, I love this business. It's, it's providing me and my family such just, just an amazing lifestyle. And it's just, you know, I, I just can't imagine it being any other business. The challenges, it's the challenges. I think that's what it is. You have to be slightly a chaos, a chaos junkie to want to be in the automotive space because you almost like to put yourself through the flames. And, you know, and marketing is definitely one of those places, you know, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about this, you know, before we started recording, we're talking about, you know, you know, creative, right, and marketing in general, right? And there's, look, you know, I, I think, you know, um, creative without strategy is just kind of art, right? Mm. And, you know, but, but, but creative with strategy, now, that's marketing. Um, let's, 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 let's get into Gen X, because we're going to go into this topics. First things first, for everyone out there watching, listening right now, you know, what is a Gen X? Um, like, wh what is it, right? I mean, I'm just like, how do I visually see it? Kirsten, do you want to do that? Or Jim, do you want to take it? Yeah, I can kick things off with Gen X. So you mentioned it earlier, Jason, but Gen X, we are defining it as individuals born between 1965 and 1980. So right now they would be between 42 and 57 years old. Now, I shared my dollar marketing research story already, so I probably have already established, but to reassure the audience, I am absolutely within the Gen X category. <clears throat> but we really wanted to dive into this and understand it from an automotive perspective because Gen X just isn't talked about altogether that much. It's all about we those talk millennials. About boomers, <laughs> aging out. We talk about millennials. We talk about Gen Z up and coming, but like, what about Gen X? They're the ones buying cars, right? They are. They I mean, on a pretty regular basis. Of the population, <laughs> and they are registering the most vehicles. <clears throat> well, and it... oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. This is a little fun fact for your audience. So, I mean, we're like, yeah, of course, they're they're um, registering a lot of vehicles. You know, they are the highest generation for registrations. But if we look at year-over-year -year growth and change, you know, we hear about um, Gen Z all the time. And, I mean, we should talk about that, and we should pay attention to it. You know, their registration, their year-over-year -year growth was over 50%. But if we look at the actual numbers, the number of vehicles that they bought and registered, it's still less than three-quarters of a million, mm -hmm. where Gen X, in that same time frame, they, in 2021, right, they grew 30%. They're registering over 3.3 .3 million 
vehicles. So it's like, let's not forget about Gen X. Let's not assume we know how to market to them. Let's really focus on that group. No, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm thinking of just kind of like from a lifestyle perspective, right? You, you said it was 47 to what was it again? 50? 42 to 57. Okay. 42 to 57. Like, mm -hmm. and we think of it just from like a career perspective, we're hitting kind of the, the senior season of, of, of our career. I'm not saying that there's not more growth to come out of that, but it's definitely up towards the top portion of that, which unlocks a, a substantial amount of, let's say, you know, just funds in general or disposable income. Um, when, when, when you think, Jen, when you think of Gen X, what specifically comes to your mind? Yeah, so Gen X as a whole, and then we can talk about demographics and psychographics, you know, further segmentation of Gen X, but the group as a whole, couple key things with them. They overall are better educated. They have higher household incomes. They're more likely to be married with kids, <clears throat> but there's a couple key things that are really unique to them. They prefer digital news and email for communication. Mm -hmm. So when you think about your marketing message and how you're delivering that, they're more likely to contribute to charities. Now, whether that charity is arts, religious, political, health charities, just charities as a whole. And they're very environmentally aware. They're taking action to recycle and to be more environmentally responsible as a whole. Oh, well said. Uh, Jim, is there anything you would want to add to like, is there anything we miss on the Gen X side? Like what, I mean, are they, I'm just trying to think like from a lifestyle perspective, you know, you know, for yourself, where do you fit in the Gen X category? Well, so I, I'm, I'm solidly in the uh, the upper end of that age group. Um, I wasn't going to guess. And, I was just going to ask. I wasn't going to guess. <laughs> uh, but think about the fact that uh, we're a generation that grew up with um, push-button telephones uh, that now have embraced every single technology change um, that has come along, um, that we have been in a position to learn and master all those things. So – as a generation, we are really willing to learn. We're really willing to adapt, right? And, and that includes in the auto space in, in terms of how we go and shop for cars. Um, so that, that is a unique thing about us. The people after us, my children, they're digital natives. They don't know any better. Yes. And, um, my, my, my parents, you know, it's a, it's a constant education re-education process to get them to be able to master the basics, but our group really knows how to use technology. Um, and as a result, very open on the communication side to digital communications. hundred percent. You know what else I kind of think is that group of, they're nostalgic, you know, <laughs> They're, they're the ones Indeed. wearing uh, the where's the beef t-shirts and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true and they're the ones that are paying through the nose for the Star Wars action figures you know mm -hmm. like they, they just they were young then you know they have money now and you know they're, they're, they're going to spend it on things that remind them of you know, uh, of their childhood. And I think how, how important that is. I mean, pop, pop culture is just, was such a big, like, look, I told this story to my kids recently that, you know, they saw a payphone. <laughs> What's that, dad? Uh, well, 
Let me tell you, this was a way that we communicated with friends at no cost. And I'll tell you how we did that. We would make a collect call that would give us about five and a half seconds to say our name. And instead, we would say, meet me at the mall. And then we would send it through. Someone would ask them if they wanted to accept charges from meet me at the mall. And you would say no. <laughs> and that's how we communicated with each other at no, at no cost. And they just couldn't wrap their heads around this at all but there's this sense of nostalgic and pop culture that i think is huge for the gen x category and this goes this segues perfectly into our next topic around creative and message messaging mm -hmm. right like well, in our industry we bucket I, everything right sorry go ahead jim and if i may nostalgia extends also in the auto space right yes. so um if you look at some of the higher end cars with the biggest engines they're they're <laughs> look like some of those cars we grew up with, right? A charger, um, et cetera. Um, and just anecdotally, um, that's always been the case. Um, so people that collect cars, um, they tend to collect the cars that were popular when they were young. Um, and you can see, you know, this is, this is not research driven, it's anecdotal, but you can see vehicle valuations for those Model A's, Model T's, the things that our previous generations thought were really cool. Um, they've dipped, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the cars that are bringing all the uh, the, the big money uh, on the auction floor um, really are the ones that were popular when when the people could afford them when they were young. And you know what? The cool thing is it's not just sports cars. Um, a neighbor of mine just bought the Jeep Wagoneer. Well, as yeah. a kid, he grew up in a Wagoneer. Um, you know, so there was just this nostalgic part of like, I'm now my kids are going to, you know, grow up in a Wagoneer and like, how awesome, how awesome is that? So, you know, but let's, let's, let's go, um, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten, and I'm going to, uh, bounce this one over to you. Um, I think too often in our industry, you know, we are so quick to just, fit everyone into one box when it comes to creative and messaging. It's like oh, one picture of an F-150 and one single pricing and buy, buy, buy today. Or in actually today's case is pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. You might get it before 2025. Um, but, but creative uh, creative messaging needs to match the audience. And I think we're missing a big boat on uh, the audience Gen X that's buying the most amount of cars right now. But I'd love to get your thoughts on how we can match uh, the creative and messaging to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a whole, first of all, back to kind of my marketing research roots, make data-driven decisions. Mm -hmm. So looking at your information, who are your customers? What are they purchasing? But then taking it further and understanding the demographics, the psychographics of those customers. So you can really customize your message to them as well as how you're delivering that message. So Gen Xers, just as an example, <clears throat> messages of quality really resonate with them. So performance, you know, statistics about the reliability of a vehicle would be something that would resonate with Gen X as a whole. Also, streaming advertisements. They like streaming advertisements, email, and you know what? They still appreciate direct mail as well. So as far as what to message them and how to message it, it's so critical to understand the individual preferences of your customers. <laughs> That's actually really well said. I was just thinking <laughs> a few years ago, I ran this campaign with the dealership and you remember those clear phones? <laughs> you remember those, <laughs> like the, the handheld clear phones, <laughs> uh -huh. like with my Swatch watch. I yes. Okay. You, okay. So 
uh, the dealer principal was like just a huge pop culture guy, just collect pop culture like like crazy, just anything from you know you know from anything from the uh, early seventies on up to the early eighties, right? And um, and somehow he he got hold of like like an entire lot of these things, and I think he had like three hundred of them. So he's like, "Jay, I want to give them away with every test drive." And I was, okay sure you know and it was just like and the funny thing is all the creative actually the car was very small the, all, the whole thing was just about this clear phone sure mm -hmm. sure enough i mean you had people showing up just to take a test drive because you couldn't find these things anywhere if you find them on ebay they were going to cost you like 50 or 60 bucks and here he was just kind of giving them away because he bought a whole lot of them somewhere i don't know where he picked them up but um but it resonated it it, it was completely by accident Right. But what he what, what ended up happening was he ended up tapping into a, a very specific audience within his marketplace and just hit a very funny, you know, note. And, and yeah, some people are even bringing their kids in. This is like, can I show my kid what one of those look like? You know, just um, but but yes, I, I think there's opportunities to do that. And it's not always just about payment. We're so quick to make everything about payment, but I think there's other alternatives. Um, Jim, I'm sure you probably got some thoughts on this as well, right? Well, so so whether it's uh, um, what, what you just described is tapping into a into an insight that's that's super deep, right? Um, and it sounds like this guy sort of lucked into it. But this yeah. idea of um, why it's important to focus on building a brand, um, it's really important right now. Right. So we're dealers have uh, um, people, you know, lining up to buy certain cars and it is a little difficult to get a hold of inventory. There's no question about it, but um, it's, a, it's a good time to be a dealer in general. Um, the difference of why you would want to be marketing when the market's so hot. I mean, that's a that's that's a question that people are asking us. Um, you know, it's a, partly about brand building, right? Partly about making sure that when things aren't as hot, that people remember you. Um, and now's a great time to do it because uh, not as many people are competing to get that message out in the marketplace. That also extends to service and loyalty, right? So uh, on the loyalty side, um, the, everyone knows the best way to get someone uh, in the door is, is having them as a service customer as well. Um, so, and then that is a revenue stream that, that everyone's making hay with. Another reason to do marketing right now, um, man, it's, it's sourcing inventory. Trying to get those cars mm -hmm. to sell um, are, is uh, is tough, and trying to get the right cars for your market and for your unique customer base even harder. So instead of casting the widest net, it's very it's important to do maybe some spearfishing to find those right people. Um, and then and then finally, this idea of you know what are the, what are the insights that I have about these customers? It's not just how to connect with them on the marketing side with creative, but but also just pragmatically as a business person, who are the best customers? Where, who's going to yes. give me the, the most for this vehicle that I'm trying to sell? So the more insight you have about those customers, the more that you can target your marketing, whether it's the creative side. Um, or whether it's the actual marketing targeting, media targeting side, um, channel marketing um, strategies, um, you're, you're going to pay off dividends, not just today, but down the road. Look, and I love the fact that you bring up channel strategies, and I want to go down that path. But first, I want to go down this other rabbit hole. I, by the way, I have a tendency of finding rabbit holes and just kind of going that direction, because I love the fact that you brought up you know, branding. You know, One of the things that I was kind of struggle with in our industry is that we try to be everything to everyone all mm -hmm. the time. And that's just... Look, it sounds like a good idea, right? Like it, it sounds like something I should do. I should be, you know, everything to everyone all the time. But 
the, the problem is that that really struck it, it makes it difficult for the consumer to connect to you from from a brand perspective if i don't necessarily just kind of know who the hell are you you know and it's and i'm not saying you have to exclude different generations but i think you really got to have to own your dealership's identity and look if the owner is a gen x then i should kind of know that you know it, it there's 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 not that there's pros or cons to it, but I want to connect to a business first before I connect to a product. And too often in our marketing efforts, we try to get the customer to connect to the product, not the business. And I think we miss out substantially. Either one of you have any thoughts? I'm sure some of you, you got some thoughts on that too. Kirsten, I see you shaking your head. So uh, Kirsten, I'll let you take this one. Sure, yeah, I'm happy to field this one. So. I think it really comes down to segmentation mm. and what you said earlier, Jason, about, you know, you can't be all things to all people. And that's true even within a generation. You know, for example, <clears throat> let's say that um, I'm looking to, you know, um, market a specific vehicle, right? Like, of course, how I do that is going to be different. And even within Gen X, that's going to be different. But, you know, as you said, if you have a dealer who's a Gen Xer, right, um, let's say specifically you are a Honda dealership. <clears throat> well, a messaging to a Gen X from showcasing an individual person, having someone be kind of the personification of the dealership, as you said, making that connection, that's really important to Gen X CRV buyers. So that's just one example. I mean, anything that you can do to better understand so you can segment that conversation is so helpful because it might not, it's just different messages to different people to meet their specific needs. And I'll give you a really specific example for Gen X. So Gen X as a whole, the vast majority of their purchases are SUVs and pickups. So for Gen X, about 60% of their purchases are SUVs, about 19% are pickups. So you might think, you know what, um, I'm not gonna market my minivans to Gen X. I would say, absolutely, let's rethink that plan because while Gen X only buys about 2% of minivans, or I should say, let me rephrase that. Gen X, for the purchases, 2% of Gen X purchases are for minivans. They have the highest brand loyalty for that segment overall. So mm, that's interesting. You're selling minivans. Who are your Gen X buyers? Absolutely target them for that message because they have the highest brand loyalty for all of minivan purchases. Look, you're 100% right. I mean, it's it's like go to the trucks, for example, right? Um, it's just within Gen X alone, there could be four or five different reasons why a Gen Xer would buy a truck. Maybe because it is for work and it is a work vehicle. Maybe because it is for family. I mean, trucks are now the new family vehicle. Heck, some of them get better fuel efficiency than minivans do for crying out loud, right? And then there are ones that, you know, really do need a truck because they are weekend warriors and they need that. But it's very, 
just in one generation could have three or four different messages, but we try to bucket all into anything. And I think this is a perfect segue to our next topic, which is channel strategies. And Jim, you were hinting at that. So I definitely want you to kind of uh, take this one, uh, t- take start this one off for us is just the same as, you know, creative, we can't take a one size fits all. And I think right now when we're, we're developing our channel strategies is that we see just you know, I, what do you mean? As long as I make it in a square and a vertical, I cover every channel, right? <laughs> so, so channel strategies can be informed by um, the, the the preferences of the people you're trying to reach. But think about the size of this group. If we're talking about Gen X, we're talking about the biggest um, single group of, of car shoppers uh, in the marketplace today. Um, that group is can be very different and have different channel preferences. And, mm-hmm. and let's make it a little personal. So think about sitting in your high school class, right? All the people that you went to school with, you all grew up in the same area, and yet the, you folks are very different. People have different interests, different career paths, um, different backgrounds. They have, a, they have a different persona. They have a different way of approaching the world. And that's just in the place, in one place that you know personally. If you, if you take that and abstract it across the entire country, you know people in that, in that Gen X group are, are very different. So um, looking at that, at that group of, of, of folks as one homogenous group, it's better than looking at the entire world, but let's take it and, and segment it down even further. Um, so first off, you have to understand your customers to understand what channels work for them. Um, and, and the best way to do that is to start with your own customer database. Look at that. Look at the folks in your database and then um, get a review, a statistical review of what their preferences are. And you can do that with um, data enrichment and analysis from um, from a, a range of providers. Um, and, and when you do that, you're going to see that there are patterns, right? There are patterns in terms of what people are um, are interested in, um, in terms of their shopping preferences, their service preferences, and what brought them in the door, right? And and the you don't have to rely just on your own data because we know that every time someone walks in a dealership and they're not always answering that research question of and, and what brought you in today? Oh, it was the Facebook ad great? <laughs> we we know it's really hard to come by. Um, I, w- I wish it, I wish they did. It'd make my life so much easier. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so the, the, the fact is, though, that we, uh, you know, we have data and others have data that can give you an insight of, you know, this person based on their um, persona, their demographics. Um, these are channel preferences that they bring to the table. And again, they're not the same just based on generation, right? So if we look at Gen X, um, you're going to see a range of, um, of different preferences, lifestyles, segmentations, and, and channels specifically. Um, some folks are super tuned into TV. Um, some folks are super tuned into email. Um, but uh, not everyone is. That doesn't mean they're not digital, though, because they're using um, text. They're using um, social media posts. They're using a whole range of things. Um, but you really have to dig into your own uh, into your own customers to better understand that. Um, and you can do it trial and error, right? I mean, you can you can explore um, by trying all the different media channels that are out there. <laughs> But it's it's really better to understand who your who your customers are, what the preferences are when you when you come to the table. Um, it gives you a leg up, and it's going to save you it's going to save you marketing budget um, over time, for a fact. No, I, I look. I think there's some great points, and I think the key thing too is when you try it, try it. You know, mm-hmm. I hate people like, well, yeah, I guess I'll I'll stick my toe in the water over there. Like, no, 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 no. Get in there, try it, try the different ad formats, spend some time, get get a little dirty. You know, like I, I find too often we're like, yeah, okay, sure. I'll allocate a thousand. No, like 
actually put some time into it. You know, I had I, I had a dealer come back to me one day and push back on me and say, Facebook's not working for me. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not on Facebook. Neither are my clients. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you know this because? Because I I'm that's yeah. <laughs> I was just making sure he didn't do some case study that I didn't know about or something like that. And, he, and here's the funny thing. I said, I said, look, back when you used to run radio ads, what did you do to figure out which radio station you needed to be on? Well, I'd have the service department check the presets on every single car that came into service. Mm. I said, no shit. So you actually took some time and did a little studying, all right, before you just jumped into um, 97.3 or 105.6 or something like that. He goes, yeah, 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 of course. So are you doing that now with your social efforts? Yeah, okay, 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 I get it. Um, but that's how the conversation <laughs> went, right? And I was just like, and like, and I said, like, when you went to 105.7, did you run one ad every other day? Well, no, that would be ridiculous. I, I, I ran three spots in the morning. I ran four or five in the afternoon and then another five or six on the way drive, on the drive home. I said, yeah. Because it's frequency, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what people were in the car. I wanted to try to reach them as much as I could. And I said, <laughs> I'm kidding. Huh? When do you think people check social media the most amount? They're like, well, I don't know. In the morning. They wake up. First thing. They roll over. They haven't got out of bed yet. Can't, phone's already on. They're checking their Facebook feed or their Instagram feed. All right. Sorry. Anyways. So, so to your point, <laughs> it is difficult to get um, results if you don't have enough activity to exactly. actually measure measurement's a whole new topic, right? Um, what are what are you trying to measure and how are you doing it? Um, a lot of the the different media um, that are that are non-digital, um, you're basically we're we're driving to exposure uh, unless you have a coupon code or something down there. Exactly. Um, but ultimately you want to be able to know is the audience you're reaching did they buy a car or do they, do they, do they do service with me? Right. And, and um, there are ways to do that and not have to rely on, on the imprecise method of sort of asking when people walk in the door. Um, so if you can take an audience, these are the people I targeted. Um, we can look at the registrations uh, that occurred from that. And, th and that way, not only do you learn, of course, you know, these are the people I sold that I targeted. You can see how many of those people actually went and bought a car from their competitors um, so that you can understand, you know, those people were in market. I reached it with my advertising, but they didn't convert. I wonder why. Was it the creative? Was it the deal? Was it a user? Was it a customer experience? You know, um, was it distance, geography, all the variables that you could analyze. Um, but, but measurement is so key. Um, and, and taking a more holistic view than, you know, how many clicks did I get today? hundred percent. And you know what, you know, what's funny is it's spending the time, all right, to do the little bit of research. It's funny. I, I felt like, you know, when dealerships were running newspaper ads or when they were running radio, they, they, they would spend more time strategizing. All right. But then some, for some reason we get to digital and it's just like easy button. Here's my check. You did something right. <laughs> you did something right. I'm, I'm going to put this on. I'm, I know. I like sometimes I get a, I, 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 people give me a hard time because they're like, well, you're being a little mean to dealerships. No, no, it's just tough love. I'm coming back. I mean, you know, I'm putting my dealer principal hat back on. I'm like, no, it's just like you can't just throw a money at a channel and expect something to happen. It's the same thing. You didn't throw money at a radio station and expect something to happen. You took time. You developed out a strategy. So anybody who's watching and listening, guys, that's what we're talking about right now is developing out a channel strategy and don't 
don't try to do it all at the same time. You didn't go do seven different radio stations all at the exact same time. You didn't you didn't spend you know seven different newspapers all at the same time. You took time in each one to really kind of develop the strategy and make sure that you were comfortable with. It. And if you didn't see the ROI and you then you moved on and you, you found another channel that worked out there. But I think that's great. But you, you mentioned something that I want to go down. And uh, Kirsten, I know you have some thoughts on this. Is When we do talk about channel strategies, it's not only just the, the channel strategy itself, but also enriching um, those channel strategies with some first-party data. Uh, because, boy, we collect a, a substantial amount of uh, data points at a dealership, but just how do we use it? So let's do this. Kirsten, if you want to explain to everyone out there watching and listening, what is first-party data? All right, and how we can use it to enrich some of our marketing strategies. Okay, so simply stated, first-party data is your data, right? So as the dealership, first-party data is the data I'm collecting. So whether I have it because somebody filled out a lead on my website, because they did service with me, because they bought a car with me, you know, any number of reasons why, but I have the data as a dealership because I did business with that customer. It's my data. Now, I have that data, but let's think about Kirsten, right? I mean, I can't tell you all the different spelling combinations that I've had of my name over the years. <laughs> so I'm in service, and what's my one spelling? And I gave my Gmail because I really wanted them to contact me right away. But when I filled out the lead form online, um, I spelled my name correctly, but I gave my spam account because I was just kind of introductory searching for a vehicle, wasn't serious about it yet. Mm -hmm. And then when I bought the car, you know, I had my full information, legal spelling of my name. I gave my cell number. I gave my, um, maybe my work email because like, I want to stay up to date on the maintenance and activity for that vehicle. So you have all of these fractured views of Kirsten. How can you combine that information and make sure you have one record for her? And also what happens with additional information? You know, maybe she never provided her cell number. How can you append information that you don't have, right? And that's where then we start to get into third-party data, how you can enrich, enhance, and update the current data that you already have to make sure you have a really meaningful conversation with the customer, contacting them at their current contact information. You know, somebody moved, for example, um, or just reaching them in channels and methods that you wouldn't necessarily be able to if you didn't have that data on your own. You know what? And I think sometimes people get a little overwhelmed, right? Um, but mm. I, I will say this, though, um, I'm actually excited for this time in our industry because I have found that there are more what I call data conscious dealers out there that I've ever met before. You know, I was just thinking, you know, earlier this year, at NADA coming back, I was just like, wow, the, the amount of questions and just knowledge, you know, of this, what I would very much so say the next generation of of dealers out there uh, were very, very conscious of how they utilize the data in their DMS and the data in their CRM and in, in how all these systems interact with each other in even some of the conversational data. People were looking for conversational data. I was like, holy cow. Like just in, and then you see new companies come out like Techion, who's going to bring, you know, who's their, their, one of their biggest goals is just to connect all data points from everywhere and put it into one big actionable, you know, ball or let every, you know, other company out there take action on some of this data. Because that is one thing I think as an industry, we've always really kind of struggled with is that we've had these data silos. Mm -hmm. And still, even today, there are some 
It's called Legacy Companies. All right. You know which ones I'm talking about. They got three-letter acronyms. <laughs> Most people use four-letter words to describe them. Um, but... <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's as good as the jokes get. I apologize. No. Uh, <laughs> but but there's just been these data silos, and it seems like we've come in now to this, it's called this this new era of just data-conscious dealers, and they're hungry. They're hungry for, you know, to understand their data, to understand how they can utilize their data. Um, uh, Jim, what are some of the ways that you've seen uh, dealers out there utilize their data in, in some very unique ways? Well, so so that enhancement of the data we just talked about um, to to harmonize it, get it clean, um, and, and bring it all together. Um, step one. Step two um, is enriching that data with insights. So you now know that um, Kirsten lives at this address. She has these multiple email addresses, etc. But what enrichment allows you to do with third party data, third party insights about your your own customers would be to say, um, hey, does, does she likely live in a household with other people? Um, what sort of property does she likely live in? Um, you know, what categories? And this, these are these are statistical categories, right? So I'm not giving you information about her specifically, but statistically based on where she, you know, what we know about her, um, what's her estimated household income? When did she purchase a vehicle last most likely? Um, what's what's the, uh, uh, the makeup of that, of that family um, in terms of not just who lives at a house, you know, is our family, other kids. Um, but um, more importantly, um, what makes that family unique? You know, so when we look at Gen X folks, um, we break them into, you know, we, uh, we look at, at the entire U.S. population and we break it into different segments. And, and Gen X, um, in this case for car shopping, skews high, highly in a, in a category we call sport utility families. Surprise, surprise. Um, so these are these are families who are um, likely to either they're upscale, they're middle aged couples or school aged children. They're having an active lifestyle, and and they tend to this particular segment tends to live in the outlying suburbs. Um, they are more highly educated. They're comfortable spending money. They're engaged in athletic activities. I mean, th these are an active family, right? And and they're super involved with um, with activities that involve the whole family. They need vehicles that can accommodate that. Um, so no surprise that they're getting these big sport utility vehicles, no surprise that they're getting things where they can haul folks around. Um, so reaching out to them, reaching out to, to them um, in a way that resonates closely with what's gonna likely motivate them to come um, to your dealership and purchase a vehicle from you um, means now that you have this understanding of this segment, you need to target them with, with creative that speaks to that. Um, so, so on a, a unique uh, basis of, of what dealers are doing, and it shouldn't be unique, but it is, they're creating, they're, they're putting creative out in the marketplace that talks to the needs of this specific segment. Um, Jason, it is astounding how often we give these detailed insights about um, who's likely, who's in your market, it's likely mm -hmm. to buy the vehicles you have to sell, and dealers do a good job targeting and their agencies do a good job targeting them um, with, with a media strategy, but they don't necessarily design a creative strategy around that to, to, to key into those things that are unique to the people that are most likely to buy a car from them. Um, so the ones, the ones that are doing a good job of that, that creative converts better. That is incredibly well said, Jim. I mean, look, um, you define the audience and then work backwards towards the creative. And uh, too often, you know, um, in our industry, we like shiny things. We do. 
It's okay. We do like shiny things. And we have a tendency of kind of really fixating ourselves on the creative. When, you know, which I think what you explained is probably one of the best strategies that anybody out there watching and listening now could be executing right now is spend more time defining out the audience that you want to target, then work backwards towards the creative and the messaging that's going to speak to that audience. You're going to, you're not going to have ad dollar waste. All right. And you're going to see a substantial increase in the ROI of, of your marketing efforts. Very well said. Great. That's Jim. Hey, look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation. Uh, but before I let you guys go, um, for everybody out there watching, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now, um, what would be maybe kind of a final thought you'd like to leave uh, with, with with people that are currently listening or watching? Uh, Kirsten, I'll start with you and then Jim, I'll finish off with you. Yeah, Jason, I think you summarized it beautifully. And I would just reiterate making data-driven decisions. <clears throat> so following the data, that will identify your best customers as well as how to best reach them. Mm-hmm. And as far as how to reach us, well, I am on LinkedIn, uh, fairly active and I would encourage anyone to follow Experian Automotive as we'll be sharing a number of things, insights such as these for different generations, different vehicle segments, uh, finance insights, all sorts of things. So definitely, if you're not already, follow us on Experian Automotive. And by all means, if you have questions about anything we chatted, um, you're welcome to send me a message on LinkedIn or email me directly. It's Kirsten. K-I-R-S-T-E-N dot Von Bush, V-O-N-B-U-S-C-H at Experian.com. Awesome. Kirsten, thank you uh, so much. I appreciate that. And you guys are going to be at what next up and coming show? Jim? Uh, So we're going to be at the Modern Retail Conference. Um, In fact, Kirsten's going to be speaking there. Um, And everyone can come out and hear what she has to say about the exciting topic of... At Modern Retailing, we will be talking about insights and audiences, really digging into those data-driven decisions as a whole for dealers and how they can leverage data for their marketing campaigns. Awesome. Hey, uh, Jim, for uh, anybody out there that would like to connect with you, what's what's the best way to do so? Oh, sure. Again, you can reach me on LinkedIn or uh, james.maguire, M-A-G-U-I-R-E, at Experian.com. Uh, and, you know, in, in closing, I would say that, uh, you know, data-driven strategies make all the sense in the world. Um, don't forget, use that data to help measure at the other end. And it's not just measuring results, but measuring all the people that you're working with, your entire ecosystem of marketing vendors. Uh, because if you're all on the same page about what data is driving results, then you're all going to be um, generating better uh, returns for effect. Awesome. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Um, it's, it, you know what? This is actually the last podcast I will be doing in this studio. So it's, it's kind of bittersweet because I've, I've recorded so many out of this area. So guys, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time today. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.